Setting up as a legit podcast pro, this is session two of our four-part series, Building Your Podcast Dream Team, Navigating Risk and Reward When Working with Others. Thanks for being here. I'm Gordon Firemark. Welcome. This is Legit Podcast Pro. And we'll be back with the, story, with the uh, podcast, the episode, right after this. Hello and welcome to Legit Podcast Pro. I am Gordon Firemark, the podcast lawyer, and today we are continuing to explore what that title, Legit Podcast Pro, actually means. So what is it that's behind that title of Legit Podcast Pro? Well, you see, I've been working with podcasters since basically the beginning of this medium, the early or the mid-2000s, I guess. And I can tell you, without reservation at all, that the podcasts that are the ones that do the best are the ones that are run in a professional manner. If you take a look at any of the top 100 podcasts, and define top however you like, you will see that the vast majority of them are made by companies, not just an individual putting it all on the line without some kind of a business structure. You'll see that there's usually a team of people involved, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And you'll see that most of the shows that are doing well are taking care to protect their intellectual property and to respect the intellectual property belongs to other people, not casually infringing. And if they are using other people's stuff, they've got permission or a clearly reasoned analysis of why they don't need to have permission. And you'll see the ones that are making a profit. Well, you can bet that they've got processes and systems and contracts and controls in place to make sure that they're doing things right and that they're actually getting paid. Podcasting as a business, even if you think of yourself more as a hobbyist, well, success in business depends on a professional approach. You take your sound quality really seriously, I'm sure, and you, if you do video, you think that that quality is pretty important. You focus on quality when it comes to the content that you're putting out there. And uh, it really requires a professional level of attention to things behind the scenes too, systems to book your guests and choose your topics and so on. Shouldn't you also then have systems in place to make sure that you are safe from lawsuits and liabilities and ownership disputes and employment and labor issues and threats to your intellectual property and threats relating to other people's intellectual property? So in the previous episode of Legit Podcast Pro, I laid out the first part of my essential four-quadrant framework for setting up your podcast the way the pros do so you can enjoy the most protection and sense of security and confidence, the business structure. If you missed that one, you really should go back and check it out. But in this episode, we are looking at the second quadrant in the framework, your team. Because when you've got your team structured and set up right and you've got confidence that everything is handled, you can take big, bold, decisive actions that will propel your podcast and business for the utmost success. So let's get into talking about your team. First of all, everyone needs a team at some point. You can't, you just can't always do everything yourself. You might be able to for a while, but eventually something will have to give or get forgotten or overlooked or neglected or just abandoned. And that's when things start declining. It's subtle, it's small, slow, and whatever, but surely at some point, burnout will kick in or your quality of content will decline and then the audience starts to lose interest and your listenership will, will decline. So it really does make sense to try to stay ahead of it by having the tasks allocated to the people who are going to be good at them and, uh, and lighten the load a little bit. You know, there's an old African proverb that says something like, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, 
go together. And there's the newer one, of course. Teamwork makes the dream work. Working with others can be hugely beneficial. I mean, after all, nobody is great at everything that needs to be done. So it just makes sense to enlist help from people who just crush it at the things they really are good at. That way, you can focus on what you're best at or what moves the needle most for you and your business and your show and let other people focus on the other things. Assembling a team lets you raise the overall level of every aspect in your podcast. Better ideation, better guest booking, better production, better editing, better show note writing, and the list just goes on and on. And there are some things that you might be really good at doing that you either just don't enjoy or you just shouldn't be doing because they're better handed off to someone whose time and resources are a better match for the value. After all, if you are a $1,000 per hour visionary entrepreneur, that 15 minute low level task that you're doing, maybe designing an, uh, you know, a, um, uh, a thumbnail or something like that, that's costing you $250 for that 15 minutes. And you could probably find a person at $15 an hour to do it for you and free you up to work on those higher level tasks that you receive the most value for your input. So, Here's a little exercise I want you to do. I want you to start think about your show as a business, even if it isn't a business in your mind right now. Just take a look at it. Step back and think of it as a business for a minute. How would it be operated if everything was run as a business would? Now, develop an org chart. Start with yourself. at the You're the head of the business, right? Make a list of all the different tasks that you do and, and the departments in which they're done. Now, right now, you're probably filling most of these roles. And you're thinking, what am I doing here? Do this anyway. It's really important to see how many different hats you wear in connection with your show. Now, below these departments, list all of the tasks that belong to that department. So you have a a department for development, story and topic ideation and selection, writing, choosing and booking guests, and lining up all the stuff that goes into the show. Then you have a production department. That's where recording engineering and you, the talent, and maybe there's a director or someone else or a sound effects person. That's one other department. Post-production, editors, music, those kinds of sound effects, those kinds of things. And that's just the content team. You probably also have a marketing role or department. Audience development and relations falls under this, right? You got to get the word out about the show. Maybe there's a social media team involved in it or social media responsibility. And if you're monetizing, well, a sales department to identify and contact and close deals with advertisers. And then there's the back office, accounting and finance, right? I'm sure you spend a little time looking at the books, figuring out where's the money going to come from, those kinds of things, or where's the money going. And my favorite, well, my favorite, (laughs) the legal department. Yeah, look, I know it's all you right now, but when you do this exercise, you can start to see where there are opportunities to either staff or outsource some of those tasks that are, well, frankly, either below your pay grade or outside your zone of genius or maybe your zone of competence. Getting people into those roles at the right cost, maybe it's nothing or whatever, can be really, really important. Now, building out your team can take lots of different forms. You could have partners, co-creators who co-own the thing with you and bring their unique skills and talents to the party. And that's great if that's what you want and and if you've got the right people as co-owners. Because after all, if if one person's really good at the tech side and one person's really good at the ideas and the writing and another person's really good at the – you know, punching things up with the right jokes or something, hey, that may be a great creation team. 
And maybe somebody's good at graphic design so they can do the thumbnails and maybe they can, you know, those kind of things. So look, you could have your partners and co-creators and that's great. Or you could have worker bees that you recruit to help out with certain tasks. They might even be volunteers or interns. Great. Or maybe they're employees, folks that you hire and pay to do things for you as members of your team. You bring them in, you put them on payroll, you give them a job and they have things to do. And it doesn't have to be full-time. It could be part-time. It could be two hours a week maybe or something like that. And you just have to find the right person for the job. And then there are independent contractors, people who actually work for themselves or for outside vendors, you know, who, or are outside vendors, I should say, who do a specific task for a specific fee. You need a thumbnail designer or a graphic designer to do something that you know what the fee is, you pay them, they do it and you're done. And right. Well, that's great in theory. I know, but, and it works really well in practice too, but there are some risks you have to consider. When you have people working in your business or your podcast, you've got to remember that they are, you know, your responsibility. You have to manage them. They're creating stuff for you. But did you know it's not a given that what they create will actually belong to you? Now, obviously, co-owners are just that and they share control. They share the money. And in theory, they share the responsibility and the burden of things. And yeah, they share the ownership. But what happens if at some point they don't pull their weight if they're not carrying their share of the water each time. So you've got to think about that. What are you going to do if that becomes a situation? Employees are great because when people are actual bona fide employees, you as the employer are in control. You assign and manage their work and you own what they create, but you got to pay them a salary. Are they actual bona fide employees? Well, if you've got them on payroll and are taking out taxes and providing worker comp insurance and those kinds of things, then yeah, they probably are employees. And don't get freaked out about the word salary. I'm just talking about, you know, you pay them an hourly wage or or a fixed weekly amount or whatever it is. That's the payroll part. But if you don't also have an employment contract with these people, well, there are all kinds of open questions that can come back to be a, a little bit of a problem. What's the scope of this person's job? <clears throat> what's expected from them? What's expected from you? Do they get time off? Do they get vacation pay, sick leave, benefits? It makes sense to get this stuff in writing and have an employment contract with people. Now, you might just have a very simple set of policies, but get it in writing and get each new employee to sign off. Now, maybe you've decided, well, I'm just going to treat all of my workers as independent contractors and I'm going to save myself all the administrative hassles and the taxes and all that stuff. Well, first of all, depending on your state, that may actually not be legal. <laughs> but even where it is legal, this is where it, things can get tricky because independent contractors under the law are considered to own the copyrights and the patents of the things they create, even if you are paying them to do it unless you have a properly written contract with the right sort of magic language that specifies otherwise. That's what the words work made for hire mean. But work made for hire is a little tricky thing, and it only applies to certain kinds of works under certain circumstances. And, the, you know, the contract really needs to address it <laughs> quite specifically. Okay. What about volunteers and interns? Well, they are great, but they don't really owe you anything, right? They could decide, ah, this isn't fun. I'm out. And they're Look, they're, they're participating. They're getting an inside look at your operation. And when they leave, they're going to take that knowledge and information with them. You're giving them a lot of value. Make sure they're giving you value too. And depending on how you manage them, 
what you have them do, they may look like employees and you'd be violating wage and hour laws if you're not paying them. Or they could be independent contractors in the eyes of law. They're just not getting paid. And then they would own what they create for you. So again, you got to get it in writing so there's clarity about this kind of thing. So how do the professionals, the real, the real slick operators do these kinds of things? Well, they have systems. They have systems designed to help them onboard and train and monitor the work of the people that they have working for them. They use good contracts. They're very systematic about approaching the employment relationships. They have HR protocols. So, hey, there you've got yet another hat that you might have to wear or a department to delegate to. And they've got payroll. They put people on a payroll and they know how that's going to work and the deductions and the withholdings and the, those kinds of things happen. So they've got accounting stuff going on. Now, look, I know I'm making this all sound really, really complicated and tedious. And you're probably thinking, God, how am I supposed to pay these people <coughs> that I'm adding to my team? Maybe it's got you thinking, I'll just skip it all. I'm going to stick to doing it myself. And that's that. Well, look, it doesn't have to be overwhelming or expensive. And having a team probably will put you on a track to greater success if you do it right. And you do it at a measured pace. What I've seen is that most creative businesses, they leave the team building for too long. They don't come to it soon enough. And then they've either don't have enough help, so they can't keep up with what they're trying to get done, or they're growing really fast and they're building out their team. And that kind of has an impact on the profits. Now, I think most people should start just a little bit before they think they're really ready. This is what I myself did when I hired my, well, every team member I've ever hired was a, okay, I have this need, but I'm not, I'm not sure I'm ready. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump, take a leap of faith, and it works out okay. Um, compensation structures, well, volunteers and interns, right? You're not paying these people. And this is how I started. I contacted local law schools in my case, but you can call, you know contact local colleges and universities and create a position a description of the job. And I basically agreed to supervise students who'd be working for me in exchange for college credit or law school credit in my case. And that worked out great. And as some of them graduated, some of them stayed on. And so I transitioned them to what I call volunteers. And now I've got a team of, I think it's currently seven volunteer contributors, both law students and seasoned attorneys that help me with the entertainment law update podcast every month because they find value in contributing a little work and being a part of the show and learning from the process and learning more about entertainment law. So it's good. It's a win-win for everybody. You could of course do the sour or the salary or the hourly wage to pay people. And you know, you might be surprised that it's not that expensive, especially if you outsource some of the work overseas. I, uh, in my, in my business, I run uh, a virtual assistant who I pay, um, uh, what is a nice wage for people in her home country, the Philippines, that is well below what I would have to pay someone to do the same work here in the United States. She's getting a, a, a nice wage and doing a great job. I'll add, um, while I'm getting, um, you know, full-time work in a, in a well, full, enough work from a given week to, to fill up the time for a fraction of what I would have to pay uh, a, a home a based, an attorney based, excuse me, an, an assistant based here. Um, but another approach you could sometimes use, especially with independent contractors, is piecework, a fixed amount per thing, whatever it is. Maybe it's a certain amount per episode. You get an editor who will edit for X dollars per 15 minutes of finished content or per episode or per segment or whatever. 
Uh, and that's a great way to do it and manage your costs and you know, at least know what you're in for. So you can do that. Uh, profit sharing. Now, this is a common approach that people go to often first, and I'm not sure it's always the smart way to go. First of all, if there's no profit and that persists to being uh, the situation for a while, well, people get pretty burned out on that and you know, people can't work for nothing forever. So that's an aspect. And also, if you're not paying, if you're not earning profits and not paying some some uh, wages. Well, there are wage and hour laws that require certain minimums, essentially minimum wage. And uh, a disgruntled profit-sharing employee could make a complaint that could be a problem. So uh, profit-sharing is great with partners and and uh, collaborators of sorts, but it may not be so great for those worker bees that we were talking about. But there are other outside-the-box approaches that you can take to compensating your working uh, team. You can. Uh, you could do barter. You could get provide something valuable in exchange. Uh, you know, maybe you're a coach, and you could do coaching with one of your workers in exchange for them doing something they're good at that helps you with your show. You could uh, offer uh, services or products, or you could do hey, let them cross promote, let them essentially become like a sponsor of the show in exchange for doing some work, sweat equity, basically in that kind of situation. So look, the core premise of what I want to talk to you about today is really that you really do need a team. Right out your right now, you may be starting out your team of one or team of two, but you do need to build it out. There is a little bit of risk to having a team working with you, but there's also tremendous opportunity for rewards as long as you do the legal and the business stuff right. It isn't always, it isn't hard. It's not always obvious or intuitive. So this is the kind of thing that you just want to start thinking about. So please do, do consider going and doing that org chart uh, activity where you figure out all the different hats that you and your, and maybe your partner wear in your podcast business, your enterprise, and um, think about which ones you could most easily delegate. What would what would move the needle most for you? Get get you, you know, out of doing the mundane, low level tasks, and uh, look look at hiring someone, a, a virtual assistant. You can you can find out good VAs online uh, from the Philippines or whatever for just a couple of bucks an hour in many instances. And uh, it can really make a difference in how your business operates. In the making of this show every week, I do a thumbnails. I have, I have uh, the ideation and the creation of the titles and all of that stuff. And I have a helper. My my virtual assistant really does a great job and earns, uh, you know, better than her her compensation and saves me a tremendous amount of time and energy. Me sitting down, I can hey, I can open up. Uh, Canva or Photoshop or something and create a thumbnail, I'm going to spend 45 minutes doing it. And at my hourly rate, that's just a ridiculous waste of my energy and my time. So it's nice to uh, be able to delegate that kind of stuff. And it really helps. So consider all of this. Now, look, in the next episode, I'm going to lay out quadrant three, which really deals with your intellectual property strategy. Now, we touched on intellectual property a little bit in this episode when I talked about work made for hire clauses in employment or independent contractor contracts. And we'll talk a little more about that. But we're also going to talk about how you go about protecting yours and respecting the intellectual property belongs to others and how to use the content you need either by getting the necessary permission and how to do that or operating under fair use or other exceptions. So that's a lot in store for next week's episode. But right now, that's it for this episode. I'm going to see you again soon for the next episode of Legit Podcast Pro. And until then, um, 
thanks for being with me. Hey, if you're interested in a deeper dive into these podcast business and legal fundamentals, please sign up for my free workshop. It's coming up soon. You can visit event.podcastlaw.net today. And that'll be it. I'll see you again next time. Thanks for being with me.